Hello, everyone, and welcome to Driven for Purpose, a lifestyle podcast designed to bring you tips, tools, and resources to help you discover your purpose, reignite your passion, and fully step into your power. I'm your host, holistic health and mindfulness coach, Amanda Bickham. Thank you, and welcome to the show. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Driven for Purpose, Reconnecting Mankind. I am excited to be here today with an amazing, inspirational man who I met so long ago, and we have had quite the journey. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about where we've been, who we are, who this beautiful soul is, who he's helping in the world, how he's getting out there, the trials and the tribulations and the things that he's had to overcome. We'll share a little bit about our journey together and how we've been on this path, which came from a very different place, and how we are supporting and inspiring and supporting people around the world, helping everyone step into their highest vibrational alignment and their own path. So without further ado, Mr. Matt Schaefer, how are you doing today? What is up, my dear? I am so good. So excited to be here. It's so cool to see things come uh, full circle from our initial connection. What? Gosh, almost 10 years ago now. It seems like just about 10 years. What about a decade, hasn't it? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh my no. God. We did. And so much has happened. Like, to think about <laughs> where we were then to where we are yeah. now. And I mean, I've been able to see you and witness you and watch your growth and your transformation. I feel like we've been on this path, you know, a few years after we met, we both had some shifts. And I know, I remember when I first started seeing you come on the mat and you were talking about, you were getting online, you were speaking inspirational things. And then I remember reaching out to you and being like, Matt, what has gone on in your personal life? Like what has transpired? And so maybe we'll just start there. Well, first just Give the audience a little bit of a background, let's say maybe your title, what you're doing now, and then we can take a little walk in history of where you've been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am blessed to have aligned with my purpose as a transformational speaker and coach for women. I coach women around empowerment, connection, and relationship. And those words are very specific and they're in that order for a very specific reason, right? Because Mm. truly, in order to foster powerful connections and relationships with anybody, empowerment gets to be the first step because our relationships are what but a mirror for our relationship with ourselves, which is the Mm -hmm. definition of empowerment. So basically like what I do is I, I reach women through oftentimes through the pain point of them not having the type of relationships that they want. That's where, you know, I connect with them. And then I help them understand that as they transform their relationship with themselves, all of the relationships around them transform as well. And their relationship with the world transforms as well. So, and, and basically, it's just me taking my own journey of my life and sort of distilling it down into the lessons and principles that have saved my life truly, and sharing them and, and guiding women through that, basically on a individual basis, and then just always looking to scale and reach and connect with more people, which I do through group courses and through my YouTube channel, which has been a, a beautiful experience. Mm, wow, I love it. I love it. I remember, you know, there's so much of what you do and so much what I, of what I do are very parallel, yet we do it in different ways, which is so beautiful. And I think that that's really 
what I love about this type of an environment that we're in, personal growth, self-development, like moving beyond the story of scarcity into like, wow, we all have so much to offer in such different ways and such different deliveries and things are going to land with people in different ways and different styles. And it's so beautiful to see how many people have been gravitating to you and your message over the years and your YouTube channel, as you mentioned, that has been amazing to witness and see. But it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to say my journey of discovery took 10 years and a quarter million dollars and uh, an overdose to, to get me to the point where I re realized that my life wasn't working. You mm. know? And it took 10 years, two failed careers, quarter million dollars of invested money. And at the end of the, I mean, I started off going to law school and wanting to be a lawyer thinking that that was going to give me the sense of fulfillment and identity that I was so craving and that I didn't feel like I didn't really know who I was. And I think this is the common things an epidemic in our yes. society. I think so many people because they don't know who they are and they're either, they either lack the tools or the resources or the guidance to really do inner work. They, instead of trying to find their own identity within, they try to find it in what they're doing. Or they try yeah. to find it through a relationship and they create this external sense of identity. And, and that's, what I, that's what I did. And, and in doing that, you give your power away to that thing. So if you say this love defines who I am, then you're giving your power away to this love or to this relationship or to your job. And so for me, it was that classic American story of like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer and that's going to give me my sense of self. And then I got into being a lawyer and I hated it. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, this, this work is not in alignment with who I am. But I had never even asked myself if it was in alignment or not. But I, I had, and this is like one superpower that I do have, even back then, was having the courage to walk away from something that doesn't yeah. feel right for me. Because yeah. yeah. I call that a superpower because I think a lot of people deep, have deep resistance to being willing to walk away. Mm. from something that isn't serving them, you know? Mm. And I was three years, I did trial law, I did criminal defense, I did three different types of law. I was very good at what I did, but it just made me deeply unhappy. And I just was like, this can't be it, right? Yeah. This can't be my life. And I literally quit my job one day, put on some overalls and went and started painting houses just to like make some extra money. Just as I was like, I didn't have any ego wrapped mm. up in my job by that point. I was like, I just mm -hmm. need to get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, I think there's a really big point that you pointed to, and I think this is really important for anyone who's listening in the audience, is this fact of feeling, right? I feel that so often we are moving in our society, we are tra trained, we are taught, we are conditioned in our society to, to move from our mental, if I do this, then it should be like this, and this is what everybody else is doing, and let me look outside in order to see what everybody else is doing so that I can know what I should be doing. And all the while, we so often override our feelings. We override like, what is me? What is my, what, what feels in alignment? And this is how we end up in stress, depression, burnout, overwhelm, relationships that are abusive or, or don't serve us. And I think that this, it is a superpower to be able to feel yourself beyond the conditions and the stories and the fears that we've created that prevent us from really truly embodying what it is that is our own as individuals path of alignment or ascension. It's like, so, so important to be able to have this space and the courage to feel into, is this truly right for me? Or am I living in this place, in this space because of a fear that's been pressed upon me or the story that I'm really good at what I do, as you mentioned, when you're being a lawyer? Yeah. 
Exactly. And I mean, and even in law school, I mean, they teach you to be okay with being miserable. Like they basically mm -hmm. condition you in the full, whole first year of law school is designed to break you down mm -hmm. so that you are, you disconnect from your feelings because it's so hard and it's so sadistic that they actually, mm -hmm. you know, they instill in a belief in you that you're going to be unhappy probably doing this work. Get used wow. to it now because this is what you signed up for, you know, and I wasn't willing to, to live that life. And I ended up moving back home with no plan, no, no understanding of what I was going to do next. Sold oxygen. I went from having a corner office doing high level law work to going door to door, selling oxygen for Lynn care, like doing straight medical oxygen sales, like medical wow. sales for almost wow. a year. And it was one of those like blessing opportunities, like doing that work actually was a, t I mean, it was a, you know, an awful job, but it taught me so much about what it means to connect and build relationships. Mm. And it laid a foundation for so much of the work, like way more so than being a lawyer and all mm -hmm. that time and all that money that I, that I spent on that chapter of my life, like so sweating it out door to door in Sarasota, Florida, doing <laughs> medical sales, laid the foundation for so many important skills that I use every day in my life now. It's so it's funny because like, when I hear you say that, I had a business to business uh, sales job also, and it was, it, was in, it was in San Diego. And it was one of the worst jobs like ever. It is so hard to be told no. Like you're supposed to go to a hundred doors and you're supposed to have 90 no's. And you're out of those, out of those 10 maybes, you're supposed to get two yeses. Like if you want to talk about building your skills to be able to not take things personally, like some of the shittiest jobs or like the most, like, you know, you didn't need a lot of skills. You didn't go through a lot of training, you know, and they were challenging. They were grueling. You just like, okay, cool. You want to do this? Here you go. Have fun. Like those also taught me a lot. And this actually kind of brings me into tailoring this conversation towards San Diego, which is where we met. And this is where you adopted yeah. a new idea of what maybe success was going to be for you. Do you want to speak into a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically after almost a year of that, because I, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Florida and I knew I wasn't going to do a sale, medical sales. It was always just a part time. It was just going to be a thing I was going to do for a little while until my next opportunity came up. And I had this intuitive knowing that something was going to happen. I didn't have a spiritual practice. I wasn't in personal development. I had a vague understanding of emotional awareness. But beyond that, I had done no work on myself at this point. But a friend came to me and said, hey, I was wondering, I was thinking about opening up a restaurant. Uh, I don't really have any money. But he was an engineer. He was an engineer, and he's like, "You're a lawyer. We have a great combined skill set. Would you be interested in maybe doing a business with me?" And I had this dawning moment of recognition where I'm like, "Oh my God, this is the thing. This is the next step for me." Like I, I intuitively mm -hmm. felt that I under felt that to be true, you know. And I ran with it, and I ended up in San Diego with my dog and a suitcase living in a 200 square foot apartment in the back of some guy's garage. And we took over the pita pit at San Diego State University. And I was the owner operator of the pita pit at San Diego State University. And the lovely Amanda Bickham was my, my neighbor, the manager of State Street Grill, the most professional, well-run establishment in the history of San Diego State University, without a doubt. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Like we, it's such a joke because yeah, the owner was an absolute crook in every shape of the form. And it's, it's hilarious to, to tune back into those days. And what's so funny about all that is we were in a very different place, you know, like I know that this was actually so funny. This was when my personal growth start, 
excuse me, started. And it was when I started to get into nutrition and you were the one that told me about skinny bitch and you told me to read oh, yeah. it, <laughs> the book. And it was, <laughs> that was like what put me on to this like super vegetarian vegan got really into yoga but it wasn't before you and I were getting wrecked drinking and smoking. and. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I'd be drink- I'd, State Street Grill, just for those of you who don't know, which I'm hoping none of you know about State Street Grill, was <laughs> run by a crooked is movie producer named David Dedon, who, I mean, I was a criminal defense attorney. I have worked and had to talk to and connect with rapists, murderers, and some hardcore people when I was a lawyer. David Dedon is, without a doubt, the most, well, most evil human being I've ever met face to face. The look like the darkness in his eyes is truly something to behold. And this poor girl, Miss Amanda Bickham, she had to be on the front lines dealing with this guy, this lecherous mid-60s just creep as he preyed upon young women, hired a bunch of ex-cons to work in the kitchen, routinely didn't pay any of his staff. I mean, it was a full-blown criminal enterprise masquerading mm-hmm. as a restaurant. And this poor Amanda Bickham had to like be the ringleader of this circus and just try to keep the thing from falling apart on a day-to-day basis. And I was lucky enough to get to go over there and you know, she would be grateful enough to give me some beer to help medicate me from the pain of my existence, which was mm-hmm. 110 to 120 Adderall-fueled hours per week grinding it out in this restaurant that I had committed my life to. And so mm. going over to State Street and hanging out with Amanda, Amanda's stoned ass. <laughs> we're, both, we're both just like we're both just like medicating, just drunk and high, just trying to survive in this life that we've found ourselves in, you know? Mm. And that's mm. like I think the snapshot that I remember is us doing like a dab. You like gave me a dab of something like you were into the dabbing at the time, which I had never done before. And I tried the dabbing and then you had me drive you to a party. And I remember I got to the party and I was like, I can't drive my car anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I'm done. I'm not. And like, it was just such a surreal time of my life. Right. Because yeah. talking about the con, taking this back to like identifying yourself through your work. Right. I yeah. had completely identified myself and, and given full power over who I am and, and how I define myself to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I worked six, I worked 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week, every day for a year, just running on just iron will and an Adderall, you know, which mm-hmm. I had a prescription for. And like, it pushed me to the edge of everything that I could handle. Right. And, and, you know, owning a bit and, and I realized by the time it had been a year and a half, year and a half, two years in, I had this recognition that the restaurant was never going to take off. We were never going to succeed at the level that I wanted. Like we had doubled our sales. We had a good staff finally, but we had taken on so much debt to get into Mm -hmm. this restaurant that there was no foreseeable path out of it. Mm -hmm. And all I started to see when I looked forward in my life was that, you know, I was going to slowly just die with this restaurant and that failure of that restaurant represented a death of who I was. Mm. And so I literally felt every day like I was kind of dying mm. inside and I felt this desperate need to escape from that which yeah. led to me I had dabbled because I've got a history of chronic pain. I had dabbled in opiates and painkillers throughout my life because of my own, you know, dealing with my own pain and my physical pain, but it was at that point that I actually started truly medicating 
with Oxy, with Oxycontin. Because I had a guy who would come into my restaurant who, you know, was clearly a junkie, right? So I started getting Oxycontin from him and uh, developed a, an opiate dependency for about a year, about mm -hmm. a year, around 28, 29. That got really scary, you know, but I was still working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week during that time. But I was high mm -hmm. a lot during mm -hmm. that uh, during that period, you know. And But I mean, think about what my life had come to, right? At this point, I've spent... Over $200,000, quarter million dollars. I'm like seven, eight years in. My restaurant's falling apart around me. My body is falling apart from the, the years of just brutal work I've spent on this restaurant, you know? And I'm just like, who the fuck am I? Like, what, what am I doing with my life? Like, where is this all going to? I'm a failure, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it was at that point that, like, the voices in my head that were, were, were getting so loud that I would do anything to escape from them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I did... Oxycontin for about a year and a half until finally woke up not breathing in my sleep. I think it was the third time. And I woke up not breathing, covered in sweat, and I realized that this was probably my last chance. Like it was either find out why my life isn't working and really get to the bottom of it or else die. Like the, the, the choice had gotten very clear for me at that point because what I was doing and how I was trying to operate in my own life, it wasn't working. It was going to kill me. And so it was in that moment that you, I think I remember there was like something that happened and then you, what was it that made that switch? What was it that was like, okay, I, well, there was, it was, it was a, it was a really interesting process because I, I like to say that like the transformational process, it's not like a linear curve. It's like a series of like back and forth yeah. steps yeah. and it all starts with like, it starts with that first step, right? And yeah. the first step for me was. I couldn't do drugs anymore, you know, and I knew that opiates were like not going to be a part of my future if I was going to stay alive, right? Yeah. So I stopped doing opiates and I actually went, I, I yo-yoed back in the other direction and juiced like 60 ounces of green juice, went vegan, drank a gallon of water a day. Like I got crazy on the health. I basically took all my addictive energy and yeah. momentum that I had built up and just channeled it into positive addictions, yeah. which was definitely, you know, a great shift. Right. And so physically I started to heal and I, and I got a job, like a system manager job at a local at the sale place, river sale place, the mm -hmm. uh, apartment place. And I started trying, I started working a little bit and I was physically healthy, but I was emotionally just catastrophically yeah. devastated yeah. Still, from yeah. what I, what I had just gone through. Right. So it's like my restaurant's still failing. I have some schmucky job and emotionally I have this continual track in my head playing you're a failure. You're yeah. a failure. You blew yeah. it. This is over. Fucking why why are you even still out here? Just go back mm -hmm. home, get a teaching degree like you're you've blown it. It's over. That yeah. and I, that voice would play in my head thousands and thousands and I couldn't be alone. I would have to have yeah. a TV on at all times just to keep the voice in my head from drowning from drowning it. You know? You know, and I think that this is like so, so important. And I'm so happy that you speak into this because I feel that this is actually very common for a lot of people. And this is why we have TV that numbs us and drugs that numb us and alcohol that numb us. And so much of the world is on antidepressants and painkillers. And it's like, we have been prescribed this story of what success is. And if you don't achieve it in this way, then you are a failure. And it is so important, I feel, you know, especially when we're on this, this personal path of empowerment of to realize and recognize that the script that we've been taught to believe to be true is absolutely in no way, shape or form 
a platform for what is successful and what is not successful. And I think that, you know, sharing this background of where you've been and what you've come through in order to get to where you are, which is like yeah. miles and miles and miles apart, it wouldn't have been possible if you would have allowed the conditioning from society and the conditioning of the imprint that it has had on your mind to get you to where you are, which is actually living in alignment with your purpose and inspiring so many people from where you failed in terms yeah. of what you know normal society says. And this is where I feel like so many people, at least that I've spoken to, a lot of the work I do around with people is around helping them find their soul's purpose. Because it's like, we have been taught to live these lives and make a bunch of money and people are stressed out, they are unhappy, they are stuck, they are overworking, and they're really actually un, like un, feeling unfulfilled in their lives' dreams. And so one of the things that I think is so important that you just spoke into is not only the amount of turmoil that you went through on an actual level in your day-to-day practicalities, but also the mental emotional shift that you went through and had to go through in order to flip the coin and come out on the other side and realize that actually, no matter what I've been going through, no matter what script I failed at according to what I'm supposed to do in order to be successful, I'm not going to allow this to be my end all be all. I'm going to instead choose to, to get right with myself so that I can really step into alignment with where it is I'm supposed to be in this world and how I'm supposed to be showing up in a way yeah. that fulfills me. Exactly. And, and that's 100% accurate. And the, the, the most important part of that is I didn't know yeah. where what alignment looked like for me. I didn't yeah. know where I was headed. I didn't yeah. know what my soul's purpose was going to be. Yeah. What I knew was what my soul's purpose wasn't. Yes. What I knew was that my life wasn't working. And I yeah. invite everybody listening to this. You don't need to know where you're going you just need to know at the very least where you don't want to be anymore and be willing to take the first step in a different direction, which yeah. for me was where I started. I started with, I'm done with the pills. And I knew that because of that decision that I was going to be very sick. And I was very sick for two yeah. months. My yeah. brain didn't work. You know, like I would literally be, I'd be at my work, I'd be at my job and I'd be trying to file papers. And I'm like, what is this? You know, even, even yeah. after I got sober and I wasn't in physical detox anymore, I wasn't able to think very well, you know, and I had yeah. these deep emotional wounds and I was living in this private prison within myself. And mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, I was working at another community. I, I ended up working, getting a job at a different apartment place. And I was just, I had this match show, I like to say, where like I had this big smile on my face. I was very polished. I knew exactly what to say. I knew exactly how to connect with people to get them to rent fancy apartments and give me all their money. And I was really good at that, right? I was good at creating experiences and tailoring who I was showing up as to get a desired result from other people. But I was miserable, desperately unhappy within myself, right? And I was sitting next to a girl who had just started working at, at our community and she was a deeply intuitive girl. She still lives in San Diego. She's an angel. And she had done Tony Robbins and she'd done a lot of personal development work. And I had known this chick for half an hour, right? And she looks over at me and she's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing great. Awesome. Let's leave some apartments. Yeah. Like, you know, my normal standard dog and pony show. And she like paused a second. She looked at me and she said, no. She's like, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing? Mm. And in that moment, in that moment where she paused, and asked me again how I was doing, I felt this like stabbing pain mm. in like my solar plexus. And I'm like, oh, 
because I felt something break within me, like the wall that I had built sort of like holding in all this misery that was like insulating it from the outside world. I felt it like crack. And I saw that she was actually like willing to hold space to listen to what, yeah. to listen to the dark, the, the misery of what I was, and that she could see it. Yeah. Not only was she willing to hear it, but she actually saw it. I thought that nobody could see it, mm -hmm. right? And like, I felt this overwhelming like impulse that like I could share this with her, you know. Mm -hmm. And even my best friends, even my family, like all these people had bought my story yeah. that I was fine and that I was great and that everything was moving forward, right? But this random woman that I just met, which nothing's random, right? But this mm -hmm. woman that I physically had just met had cracked something within me. And I looked over at her and I said, to be honest with you, Kate, I hate myself and I hate my life and I don't know how I got here and I don't know where to go from here. Mm. It's a pretty scary place to be. And she like paused for a second. She's like, okay. She's like, let's go to lunch. And we went to lunch and she got out a, a box, a little thing of post-it notes, you know? And she said, I want you to write down every negative thought that you're having about yourself. I want you to write it on a post-it note. We're going to put it up on the wall. I proceeded to blanket an entire wall with a hundred post-it notes. It mm -hmm. took me 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And she looked at this wall of notes with like wide eyes. And she looked at me and she's like, you know, none of these are, none of these are real, right? All this stuff in your head is, doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it feels real to me, you know? And it was like in that moment of like that first initial awareness like actually looking at and listening to the voice in my head and what it was saying that i started to recognize oh my god you know like i got some work to do mm -hmm. i got some work to do and i just like the most important thing i want people listening to take away from this chapter of my journey is the power of that second how are you doing yeah if she had not asked me that second time how are you doing i i can almost guarantee you i wouldn't be here I can almost guarantee you that the millions of people, millions of people worldwide that have watched my YouTube channel, the thousands of people that have told me that my content has saved their lives, the transformation that, that, has, that has happened in the lives of everyone around me over the course mm -hmm. of the last five years, none of it happens unless she takes that extra five seconds to hold space and have the courage to ask me, how are you the second time? Mm -hmm. So like... Are you willing to have that conversation with the people in your life? Are you willing? I guarantee you, whoever you are, you know people in your life that aren't happy. You know people in your life that are suffering, right? Mm -hmm. And do you have the courage to hold space for them and demonstrate to them that you care enough to have an uncomfortable conversation, to ask them how they're doing, to let them know that somebody cares about them? Because most people who are suffering think that nobody gives a shit about how they feel or what's going on with them. And that is the tragedy of our disconnected fucking social media society is everybody is on their phone, pandering for fucking ego gratification, living in a box of isolation and misery and not being willing to genuinely help each other. And so like that woman and that question saved my life. Yeah. And it, that one moment has transformed into something so much greater than I could have possibly imagined, you know, even six months ago, much less seven years ago. You know, it's like just hearing your story. I mean, we've, we've connected. I remember seeing you pop back on the mat 
and me reaching out to you and being like, wow, like Matt, how have you been? Where have you been doing? I love your content. This is when you were doing Mondays with Matt, which you still yeah. do. Awesome. Still do it. They'll do it. It's dedication. But I remember you coming out and just sharing, you know, what I hear in your story is not only there's two things that stand out to me. And this is really important. I feel for all individuals who are listening to this podcast. The first is vulnerability, right? Your ability to be vulnerable. Yes, it took this woman an extra, you know, question. But how many people Mm -hmm. do actually try to get in and try to say, hey, are you really okay? Do you need some help? And people just continue to keep their walls up. So vulnerability is such a huge piece when it comes to creating the space for yourself and others to be able to help you. And you know, the other piece is your ability to feel your ability to feel the fucking pain, to feel the shit that you were going through. And not just like, even though you were numbing it down in different ways, at one point it was with medication at another point it was with alcohol at another point it was with working at another point it was with you know juicing or being over but your ability to feel and i think that this is something that we and 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 sex and exercise and i mean like i don't want to let you those are the only ways i medicated yeah there's a type of self-abuse or a type of activity that could distract my mind from the pain the existential pain of my life i did it yeah i did it all just to try to just to try to pull myself away from it and so it's so important. It's the first show I ever did when I did my first ever Mondays with Matt was the healing power of vulnerability. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I felt that to me, that was the cornerstone mm-hmm. of everything. And that's really become the cornerstone of my work since then is being, giving people permission to be vulnerable, be vulnerable. Yeah. Right? giving people permission to, 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 to embrace their shadow and to acknowledge and recognize and honor parts of themselves where they feel shame. Because the most insidious emotions that we as human beings allow to permeate our consciousness and our existence are, are, are shame, right? Shame yeah. and fear. Yeah. Shame yeah. and fear and just allowing ourselves to hide who we are, you know, because we're so afraid of judgment. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of so many fucking things, you know? And uh, in that moment where I looked at that wall of post-it notes, I was like, okay, I have seen my enemy, right? Which is mm-hmm. how I saw it at the time, right? And I kind of felt one of the reasons I felt so isolated is my business partner at the time was not an emotionally intelligent, he's a brilliant man, but not an emotionally intelligent man. He saw emotions, he was from a Latin family, right? He saw emotions as a sign of weakness. And so when I would go to him, I would go go to him sometimes like crying, just being like, how are we going to do this? And he would look at me like I was crazy. And so because he would look at me like I was crazy, I would be like, maybe I am, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I am weak. And so this woman even after I sort of pushed her away a little bit, she held space and asked me again and actually wanted me to share what was coming up for me. It was a transformational experience because from that moment with those post-it notes, I found out that she had joined a mastermind, which I had never even heard of a mastermind before. Right? Yeah. Junto. Joined, uh, what was it called? Leadership something? Leader- Junto. No, Junto. Junto. I joined okay. Junto, which was a, an entrepreneurial mastermind in San Diego. I'm pretty sure it's still going. Amazing guys in Junto. And that's when I got exposed to personal development, mm-hmm. like for real. And mm-hmm. I got exposed. And I, and I connected with a group of entrepreneurs whose sole f- purpose was to come together. These are all men. Come together for the most part. Come together and talk about their struggles in business and their struggles in their life and their struggles and emotions. And I saw that men could get together in a container 
mm-hmm. and like talk about their pain mm-hmm. and share resources. I got mm-hmm. recommended my first ever personal development book, Psycho-Cybernetics, which is for me, uh, mandatory reading for my coaching clients. Mm-hmm. You want to work with me? You read the new Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, which just talks about the nature of our self-image and being aware of our inner dialogue. And that's when mm-hmm. I started to watch my thoughts like a fucking hawk. And mm-hmm. that was when I really started doing the dirty work of recognizing and, and shifting the way that I thought about myself. Mm-hmm. And that is a down and dirty. And so basically, I like to say I had three major awakenings in my life. Mm-hmm. And this was when I stepped into my first major awakening. My first major awakening was my, my personal development awakening. It was when I actually started, when I recognized the value of managing my thoughts and changing the way that my inner dialogue went. And, and I fell in love with all the different, ask Tony Robbins and all these guys. And I just like, I fell in love with that, with that process. And I became obsessed, right? I have an addictive personality. I go, when I, when I get into something, I go all in on it. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I became very active in Junto and I made figuring out myself and figuring out managing my mind my ultimate priority of my life and yeah. it was a, it was a huge a huge turning point it wasn't the end it was the beginning but it was a huge turning point in my life you know yeah and it's it, I remember actually going to your house like probably about a year maybe a little over a year and I, I was, I think I just came back from traveling. I think I just got back from India or something like that. And going over to your apartment and this is when you were doing your Mondays with Matt. We did a Mondays with Matt show together and uh, we kind of debriefed kind of where we've been since we last touched. And there was a lot of similarities and parallels. And I remember you had a vision board. Both of us were really into vision boards and you had a vision board and you were speaking on stage in front of thousands of people. You're like, I'm going to speak on stage in front of thousands of people. Like, and it was amazing just to hear, you know, what you had gone through, similar to what you had just shared with the audience to where you were going. And I will say in the last three years, you have done that. You have gone out, you have gotten on stage with major speakers and spoken Mm. keynote speakers and spoken it on stage in front of thousands of people. Do you want to share a little bit about your journey of kind of from that point, a brief overview and, and where you went and where you are now and, and yeah how- yeah so yeah and, I'll, and I'll, I'll distill it down to like those three awakenings right so i had the personal development awakening where i discovered the value of of, of really examining my, my my thoughts and my feelings and and doing starting beginning getting into inner work recognizing the role of my ego like looking at that sort of stuff it's where i started working on myself and i got into biohacking and I, I mean i went fully down the rabbit hole with all this stuff and learning how to make my mind work better and along those lines like i started to you know get a little into i i did mushrooms i think for like the first or the second time and i had this interesting experience where i did mushrooms with a girl that i was working with and i was still early on in my process right and i remember i was sitting in my car on these mushrooms and I just felt this deep, profound pain bubble up within me. And I felt these tears start to come up. And I realized, and I felt like a five-year-old, a five-year-old. I felt the frustration and pain of a child. And I sat in my car and I cried that my life, even though things were changing a little bit, I still hated so much of my life. Like I didn't like my job, right? My restaurant's still failing. Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? How did I get here? And it was this deep foundational pain, right? 
And within a couple days of that experience, I had these thoughts just like start being like downloads start to come into my head. I did not have a spiritual practice at this time. I had these downloads that started to just like beam into my consciousness saying, you need to get up at 4 a.m. every day. I had no, I wasn't even reading the miracle morning. I had no background is you need to get up at 4 a.m. every day. You need to meditate for two hours a day. You need to work out every morning. You need to create a three hour period every morning where you focus and work on yourself every day before you go to work. That was a mandate that was given to me and that I honored. I honored that and I threw myself into that process. And it wasn't long after that, like within a month of doing that work and I was really getting deep and figuring out how to become a better version of who I was, that I had an old, an old Chinese woman, I couldn't make this up, come into my leasing office at this apartment place I worked at and say, Matt, I feel a deep connection with you. There's somebody that you need to meet. His name is Moss and he's a very powerful man and I think you need to meet him. And I'm like, this is super weird and a little creepy, but you know what? Maybe it'll be a good story. Sure, I'll go meet your guy. And she said he was like an energy healer or something. And I'm like, whatever, whatever that is. You know, I had no context to understand that. And so I go to Malibu and there, he's this guy is doing a guided meditation and he's going around and he's touching people like on their back and they're just like melting into his hands. And I'm like, what is this? This is super freaky. Like people are like collapsing as he's touching them, right? And I'm like, what sort of voodoo weirdo shit have I gotten myself into? This is super freaky. Like, and I didn't know what to think, right? And he gets around to me and he touches the small of my back and I feel this like beam of energy just like radiate down through my body and that feels simultaneously overwhelming and also intensely familiar at the same mm. time. Like I feel like the pure undistilled essence of who I am is just coursing through me like a waterfall. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is who I am. And he took his hand off five seconds. This dude touched my swallow on my back. Like I literally saw like a vortex spinning between my, between my closed eyes, you know, and my tears are like streaming down my face. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And I felt my connection to the collective consciousness of humanity in this moment. Mm. Like I felt myself as a wave in the ocean mm. and I realized, oh my God, like I can never come back from this. You know, mm. like this has become, this is a new, a new reality for me. And within course of the two and a half months after that moment where that man touched me, which that was my a moment of spiritual awakening, within two and a half months of that experience, that moment, I had a near-death experience uh, where I was rear-ended by a dude going 100 miles an hour on an empty road. I saved two people's lives in two opiate-related situations. Talk about karmic release. Wow. Saved two people's lives in two different situations. Two people would be dead if I hadn't been there able to support them in that moment. I uh, shut down my restaurant, filed for bankruptcy, got kicked out of my house, and got fired from my job. This all happened within two and a half months and wow. my entire life imploded on the tail end. It's called a divine storm, you know, yeah. and a lot of times it's what happens after someone has a, a significant spiritual awakening or shift. My entire mm. life that I had built, quote unquote, for myself collapsed, right? And I, and I went to another event from the spiritual healer and I asked him, his name is Masajati. I said, dude, I feel like I'm going to die. First off, what the hell did you do to me? And what do I do now? Right. And he said, Matt, he's like, 
your entire life that you had built for yourself was built on a faulty foundation and you were here for a higher purpose. In order for you to achieve that purpose, your old life, it had to fall away to clear up that space and that room for you to do that. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to trust. It felt like the first time in my life that I was no longer moving in the wrong direction. Like it felt like sort of the slate had been wiped clean. I'm sitting in a 10 by 10 room on unemployment, just with not not needing to answer to anybody. And I'm like, you know what? I choose and I decide in this moment that where I am at right now is perfect. And wherever my life unfolds from here is also perfect. Mm. If I get rich, great. If I don't get rich, perfect. If I have a family, fantastic. If I don't, amazing. Mm. My main goal from here on out is to stay in alignment with my understanding of who I am and what I want to create in my life. I gave up all expectations for what my life had to look like in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that was, when the, that was when my life took a radical uh, turn, right? Where I started actually uh, coordinating events for that spiritual healer. I started you know, traveling around the country and putting together events for him and just seeing all sorts of like miraculous things happening on a regular basis. And I just realized that the divine and the physical are coexisting and happening side by side all the time in real time. It's always happening. Yeah. Like I, I saw the magic of our reality, like point blank in my face all the time. And I was a part of it. Mm. That was fucking exciting. Right. Mm. And so I was beginning to transform and I was beginning to step into a different understanding of who I was. But even in that space, even at that juncture in my life where I'm doing, I'm doing great work, I'm helping this guy build his business. I'm doing this stuff. And and he's a really powerful, you know, spiritual healer. I'm still deeply emotionally wounded. I'm still deeply in victim and in a ton of pain. Like I still didn't believe in myself at that point. And that was when a woman that I knew through the spiritual healer told me that there was a, a leadership academy opening up in San Diego and that, you know, it's really good work and that I should do it. And I just had, I had like another crossroads moment right? Where I'm like, well, do I want to do this? I don't know if I want to do this. And I don't really have the money, right? And then synchronistically, uh, I got a insurance settlement check from my insurance company the week I found out about ALA, the week I found out about that leadership academy, like the money dropped into my lap to do it, like synchronistically at the same time. And I just trusted. I said, okay, this is a sign that I'm supposed to do this. Mm. And I put down money. I had never spent any money on personal development for myself. Not really. I plunked down, you know, a couple grand and went to a, uh, went to a leadership training. And that was when I had my third great awakening of my life, my emotional awakening, my emotional intelligence awakening, where I, I actually like became physically aware of the wounds that I have, that I was carrying in my life of my addiction to my pain, to mm-hmm. my addiction to the story of my past, even though I was no longer defining myself by what I was doing the same way, I was now defining myself by my story of what I had survived. And that's some, that's some shit that's like really hard. That's, I want you all to like listen to that. I realized that I had become addicted and identified with my survivor story. Yeah. That yeah. happens to people. Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, on on the path of doing this work, doing the inner work, choosing to no longer be the victim, like being aware of your stories and being aware of what stories are playing out 
whether you're playing the story of the hero, you're playing the story of the survivor, you're playing the story of the victim, like all of these stories are so fundamental for all of us really truly getting beyond the creations of our mind and living into the, to, to the limitless potential of where it is each and every single one of us have the capability of being. Exactly. And so, and in that moment, in that moment of me recognizing that I had become addicted to the pain of my past and that I was living, I was, even though I had moved mentally in, in a headspace away from these thoughts, I was still carrying in my body. I was still carrying in my being deep pain and deep woundedness and through exercises and through doing experiential inner work, I wept to the point of like throwing up, like wanting to throw up like many, many times. And I actually released from within my body so much of the pain of the trauma of, you know, the last 10, 15, mm. 20, 30 years of my life. And that was when I really, I declared in that moment, like this was at 31 or so, 32, that I wanted to be a coach and a speaker. You know, I want that I, because I could feel that this work was saving my life and this process had literally yeah. saved, averted my life from almost certain death, you know, and I'm like, yeah. all right, I choose to spend the rest of my life sharing this work with the world. And I yeah. don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm committing to it because this, yeah. I recognize that this is my aligned path. This is my purpose. And that was the choice I made on the tail end of that third awakening. And that's really, you know, I, I started doing my show Mondays with Matt at that point. You know, and, and we sort of reconnected, I think, in that, in that moment, in that experience. And that was really in the early stages of me. My first ever live I ever did was me going on Facebook and basically apologizing for being a selfish jackass mm. for most of my life. Mm. And that, that, was my first, that was my first ever time doing a video on Facebook. <laughs> I needed to clean it up, and I knew I needed to clean it up. And that's been the path I've walked since then has just been finding ways to serve and support and open people up to the limitless possibilities that are available to them. They just get out of their own way, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what I live. I live my life. I choose to live my life as an continual embodiment of what is possible, a continual embodiment of what you can create if you just commit to you know, serving yourself and serving others and making a difference in the world. 100%. So beautiful. You know, when we, when we, we have Matt and I have really great conversations every time we connect, every time there's like, you know, deep sharings and downloads and uh, stories and yeah, it, it growth and expansion every time we connect. And I never know how it's going to go or what's going to be said. And, you know, when we popped on for this, I said, I want to interview you. I want to, I want to, share your story with others so that they can feel pieces of themselves in you and where you've been and where you are and how you support people moving forward. And there's so many pieces of our stories that are so parallel and also different. And, you know, the commitment to being an embodiment of what's possible, knowing, you know, where we've come from, where you've come from, what your journey has been, the depths, the challenges, like so important for people to see those pieces of ourselves so that you know, it's not like this was just handed. It's like, here, you can just have whatever you want. Like, it's that easy. Like, no, there's so much, excuse me, challenge and obstacles and things that any individual who I feel is in this space of empowerment has had to overcome. And I'm so grateful for 
all of what you've done and all of what you've overcome and all of the pieces of you that I've been able to see and trans see transform and, and inspire and awaken. And like you said, so many people are touched by what you do. And I would love it if you just noticing time, I'd love it if you would like to share just who it is you are supporting most now and how it is um, you are supporting them and where people can continue to lean in to get these beautiful wisdom words from you and continue to be inspired by how you're showing up in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I went into story time. I didn't even let you, I didn't even let you ask me a bunch of questions. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> it's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's, it's a story that I, I haven't told the full story that, that many times. It's only been a couple times and it's mm-hmm. important because, you know, I think people get to get, like, you're, you're so true when you say people have a tendency to see where you're at and just assume that this is just where you've always been. And it's so important for people to understand that, like, I had to take myself on and I had to release so much and I had to experience my pain at such a deep level and and release it layer after layer after layer. And I still am on a daily and weekly basis. Like it's not like, I mean, it gets easier, but it also new levels bring new devils truly, you know, and it's like with every new level, all that same junk, the imposter syndrome, the pain, the insecurity, the whatever, it flares back up. And, you know, part of being emotionally intelligent is being able to recognize it and manage it, process it, and then work through it. In saying that, like I am a, uh, I'm an empowerment and transformation coach for women. So I coach women around how to create and foster better connections in their lives and with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I use all sorts of different tools to do that. We do belief work. We do uh, language mechanics. We do transformational exercises. And I've been working with clients one-on-one for a couple of years. I just got done with working with you know a large group, about 20 women one-on-one. And I have really fallen in love with doing more group work. And I, I launched a YouTube channel in April of this year. And I'm sure we'll link to, we can link to my YouTube channel. I'd love to have you be a part of my tribe. I've created a really powerful uh, empowerment channel for or women. If you're a man, you're welcome to come too. We love <laughs> the handful of men. <laughs> it's like 5%. But uh, we do, we have a we have a channel that, I mean, while we're recording this, I mean, I'm sitting in like 32 or 33,000 subscribers over the course of, you know, six months, which is a pretty, pretty strong, you know, growth for six months. And, and it's a really beautiful community. So come check me out on YouTube. And uh, I'm, I'm continually launching uh, group courses right now through uh, through my youtube channel so there'll be a link to whatever i'm whatever i'm currently like bringing people connecting people with as far as whatever i'm offering it'll be linked in all of my uh, in all of my youtube videos right now i'm finishing a second round of uh, mastery connection which is like one of my transformational relationship courses and gosh we have like i don't know 2000 2200 women from all over the world and it's been just a beautiful experience to, to just witness their growth and their breakthroughs like uh around their recognition of the miracle of who they are. Because at a mm-hmm. foundational level, all I want to do is serve as a mirror for other people to see the magnificence of who they are. That's mm. all my, that's at the end of the day, that's the most foundational essence of what I do and mm. why I love this work. Mm. Mm. So beautiful. Oh, wow. My goodness. I hope the audience was able to hold on to bits and pieces of 
what was coming through as Matt was sharing his story. Hopefully you're able to see maybe parts of yourself, parts of people that you know. And yeah, I think, you know, what's really important is this piece of just being vulnerable, allowing yourself to feel and allowing yourself to get support in whatever way, shape or form it is, you know, reaching out. We're in a world where there are so many people who have gone through their own challenges and are showing up with tools that they've been gifted from their teachers, guides, mentors, healers, whatever it is that we have been blessed with on our own path in order to show up for other people who are maybe in somewhere on their own personal growth and transformation journey. So for any of you in the audience who are wanting to learn more about Matt and Matt's work, I will definitely link up everything um, in the show notes. Matt, if you want to send those over to me, we'll get that sorted. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey and sharing your story and being on the path and being committed to personal growth and expansion for the conscious collective and for the hearts of us all. It's my honor and purpose, my dear. And I'm so grateful to be on this path with you living our parallel journeys in service in service of humanity. It's uh, it's beautiful to have you as a a sister on the path. So I'm super grateful for you and, you know, you putting out this beautiful podcast and sharing it with people who are ready to ready to hear the truth that, they are capable of so much more and there is so much more possible for each and every one of you who's listening to this. And the only question is, what do you truly want? And are you ready and willing to take the first step? That's all that matters. You don't need Mm -hmm. to take all the steps. You just need to take the first. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much. And audience, thank you guys for tuning in and staying with us. And I look forward to when the next episode, whatever it will be, however it will divine, I will see you there in that time. Thanks again, Matt. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on Driven for Purpose. I cannot tell you how much your support means. If you found this content helpful in any way, shape, or form, I would love it if you share this with your friends and family. If you haven't yet already done so, please go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help us rank higher, which means more people can get inspired by this content. And together, we can support one another to continue on our journey towards our highest and best selves. I'll catch you next week.